The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI, Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the great robot wars. And Peter Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. All right, you're listening to KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And before we kick off the second half of the show, I do want to thank Robert for sending in a little reminder. Happy New Year to my Asian listeners. The Year of the Monkey begins today. A happy, healthy New Year to all who celebrate. People born in the Year of the Monkey are witty, intelligent, and have magnetic personalities. By the way, this is from Dear Abby. Uh, clever in financial matters and career, lively and versatile, gentle and kind. These traits make them ideal partners if you want an everlasting love life. However, they must watch their tempers and a tendency toward arrogance. So thank you, Robert, for sending that in. Okay, so kicking off second half of the show is Amanda Haas. She's standing by. She's author of the Anti-Inflammation Cookbook, and she's Williams-Sonoma Culinary Director and uh, it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Amanda Haas. Good morning. Good morning. I love this book. I told you off air that my daughter saw it, and she's during the Super Bowl. She's like, "Let's make this." I oh, I can't. That's such a compliment. It. Thank yeah. you, especially coming from children. Uh, isn't it? And um, <laughs> well, I I try to. We I've done a lot of gluten free cooking, and also, mm-hmm. but there was something called is it bimbop? Bim, bim, bimbop. Yeah. Bimbop. I love that word alone, and um, she's like, "What is that? Let's make it." <laughs> That's so great. So thank you. Um, let's back up and talk about sure. what, because I know you have a backstory into why this was such an important book to write. I do have a backstory to it. And, of course, it's personal. Like any time you invest in something and you, you put right. this much work into something, right, there's a story behind it. But yeah. I just found, you know, I've been cooking for my entire life and had jumped into this culinary career, but had had all of these health issues that were kind of unanswered over the years. And as I started to dig and dig, I tried all kinds of um, conservative therapies for things, alternative therapies. So, um, you know, chronic back problems, heartburn, really bad stomach problems, mm-hmm. asthma, eczema. And after 20 years of not figuring it out, we finally realized that most of it was you could pin on gluten. And then the more I started to dig, the more I realized that there were some other ingredients causing inflammation in my body as well. So, you know, I, I fought from 20 to 40 trying to figure it out, and, and it was an allergist who said to me, Amanda, it just doesn't matter if your symptoms don't show celiac disease or something larger. I know that this is gluten, and they're all, these are all just different forms of inflammation in your body. So it was such a relief when I realized that what I was eating was what was causing my pain. And it's interesting because you can, you can test negative for celiac but be so sensitive. I mean, I was plagued by eczema for years, especially as a child. Exactly. Me too. And isn't that crazy though? I did. I tested negative for all the big tests. Uh But what he explained to me was some people who are intolerant or allergic actually have worse physical symptoms. And that was me, you know, always getting sick to my stomach and always struggling. I um, actually, my daughter went off gluten a while ago. She's not not completely gluten free. But I, after you do something like this and you feel better, it's not so difficult to give up gluten. 
I, I agree with you. And I think even in my job, I was afraid to tell people here at Williams-Sonoma that I had to quit gluten because we developed so many recipes with gluten in them. Right. But I felt so much better so quickly that I couldn't believe it. It's easy for me to pass up the baked bread at restaurants now and everything else that I used to eat every day of my life. And don't you have so much more energy? Oh, my gosh. It's like a fog was lifted. Right, right. Yeah, it's incredible. So once you eliminated gluten, what else did you figure out you were, you know, uh, irritated by? Well, it was, it's been a long road. It's so funny. I think we do this sometimes. I'm like, well, I've eliminated gluten, so I can still just continue to eat everything else and enjoy it. <laughs> but my gut was literally telling me dairy was another big one for me. Right. And as I worked with Dr. Bradley Jacobs, who uh, worked on the introduction of this book, he helped me ad- identify a few more things. But for me, it came down to really simplistic things, and it was just removing the things that make all of us feel pretty lousy. Yeah. So, you know, refined flours, lots of sugar, too much alcohol or caffeine. So the obvious triggers for most people. Um, Corn tends to upset my stomach, too, if I eat too much corn. So I just really tried to clean up my diet, and that's how I developed the recipes. I said, let's just forget about all of these foods that don't make us feel well and focus on the ingredients that make us feel great. Right. I mean, because everywhere you read, and especially in your book, if your stomach's not happy, you're not going to be happy. Right. It's just related to so many things. And I think the biggest eye-opener for me was that it was related to my back pain, that when, my, when I was eating foods that made my stomach hurt, it would pull on my back muscles, and I would be wow. chronically in spasm. So it was amazing to me that I could tie it all back to food. No one would ever think that. They would say, maybe, take some Advil. Or, right? You know. No offense to Advil, but I mean, yeah, it's just, that's not the solution. That's a Band-Aid. It was amazing, and I I was a little frustrated. It took me so long to figure it out. Right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And dairy, I always tell people that um, have a lot of sinus issues, ear things, my daughter did, that try, just try going off of it. You know? It's incredible. You're, you're speaking to someone who had the exact same thing happen. Chronic sinus infections my entire life. Yeah. Had to have sinus surgery because it was so bad. And um, I quit dairy, and they're all gone. And even now, if I get a really bad cold, if I stick to how I should eat, I, it never turns into a sinus infection. Amazing. Yeah. Can you talk about nightshades? I know it's in your book. Yeah, I do talk about nightshades because for some people, they're some of the most incredible things that you can eat. But for others, you can react strongly to them. And a lot of people with rheumatoid arthritis and um, some other autoimmune disorders don't react well to them. And I'm trying to find, I'm trying to remember the name of what's in them that can cause pain. So for people who don't react to them, they're incredible sources of so many great things. But I tend to actually react to them a little bit as well. And so it seems strange to take things like tomato and eggplant and peppers out of your diet. Right. But I just speak to it throughout the entire book because if, you're, if you don't have an intolerance to them, they're phenomenal. So if I show them in a recipe, I'll just tell you how to take them out or replace them with something else um, if you cannot have them. So uh, let's say, because I love tomatoes. Yeah, I mean, me I, too. I'll, I grow them, but what, yep. what um, can happen? What, what does it do to you? So for me, it was just causing kind of an all-over pain. And it's funny, I'm looking at the book right now because I was dying to know what was causing the pain. It's called um, glycoalkaloids. Um, But it just made me feel achy, really achy, especially in my lower back and my joints. And so you hear from a lot of people with arthritis that it's the same thing. Um, uh, But I recommend doing what I did with other foods, too. You know, if you have a feeling that you might not be able to have them. I say just take them out for like at least a week or two weeks and see how you feel and then slowly add them back into your diet and see if you notice any changes. Do you have this, I have this belief that sometimes you 
uh, don't want to eat certain foods because maybe your body is telling you you don't like them or process them correctly. Like my daughter will say, I don't like potatoes. I do agree with you. I completely agree with you. I, I, I've had the same reaction over time, and I had really severe food allergies as a kid, so it was funny mm-hmm. that um, I would kind of avoid certain things, but over time, your body knows what it should have and what it shouldn't have. I'm fascinated by that. Right. And for kids, I mean, I try to limit sugar. Yeah. It's really hard, but I, it is. I'll i do um, stevia, I'll do agave. Right. But I, I always say, cut the sugar. If you're doing a recipe, cut it in half, add applesauce. I mean, I'm always, you know, my, my daughter thinks I'm wacko sometimes, but I'm always trying to cut it. That's, you and I need to meet because we <laughs> share the same <laughs> philosophy towards food. You know, when I talk in the desserts chapter, I thought about leaving them out or just removing all sugar from this chapter. Mm -hmm. But I think the bigger message I'd love to share with people is like, if you're going to make something homemade, you can do the things that you're talking about. So, you know, try to use at least unrefined cane sugar instead of the bleached white sugar or look to things like honey, maple syrup, more natural sources of sugar, and then take your recipe and put the least amount in that you could possibly need. And so, that was my dessert chapter because with my kids, just like you, they get mm-hmm. assaulted by sugar every single day when they walk out the door. I and I want to know that they can still have a treat, but it's the best version of it for them. Yeah, I, I think um, introduce, like I had my daughter take a cooking class during the summer. Oh, so fun. And it got her into like making quinoa cakes and, cool. and all this great stuff. And then she would bring it home and she would cook. And now... She, like that's like like I said, she got a hold of your cookbook, and I literally have ten little yellow post-it notes in your cookbook <sighs> of things that she said I want to make this, that, and the other thing. That the, nothing makes me happier than somebody telling me that their child went through a book of mine and post post-it noted it up. <laughs> it yeah. Just I think you're hitting on a, an important topic too, and that when you engage your children in the process of cooking, it changes everything, and they're more willing to try foods that they wouldn't try before. And for your daughter, I'm going to have to send her a copy and sign the quinoa cake recipe because there's one in here she can make. Oh. I'm so impressed by her. She also flagged the curried spice nut mix. Um, oh, I love those. And uh, Thai red curry. That's a good one. I, you know what I think is a good idea for kids, too? I suggested to my daughter, have a cooking party. Have some friends over that you don't think are so picky. Yep. Because some just want the piece of pizza pasta thing. But right. Have them over that will be adventurous and try Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And it's funny how I think with the advent of all of these cooking shows for children, how it's just totally changing their mindset. You know, my kids, their favorite thing to do this summer was to invite my dear friend's three children over, and they would want to just master chef it up or, like, have me make them a secret ingredient box, a mystery box, and then they would just start cooking. And I could put anything in that thing. And they would make it, and then they would try it, which was hysterical. So... Um, it's incredible how many kids are turning to cooking now for fun and interaction with their friends. Well, it used to be when I was growing up, um, my food, you know, that would make me very calm and happy would be like, you know, TV dinners, uh, takeout. And I'm trying to move away from that into, I don't care if you make a mess in the kitchen. I mean, clean it up. But yep. more mess, more fun you're having, I guess. And Agreed. She was making kimchi. Of course, it was an inferno. I couldn't what? Eat it. Wow. Yeah, she made kimchi. She's really no. fascinated by Asian cooking. Yeah, she goes. That, that's kitchen. like one of the most anti-inflammatory things you could have. It's so good for your gut. That's right. amazing. Yeah. So we have to tone it down because it's really yeah. too hot. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love it. And I went out and got organic cabbage. And um, so we got to figure out how to you know, tone that down, but, right. um, <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk about, um, well, Valentine's Day is coming. Sure. Up, so maybe some recipes that might be 
fun to make. Ooh, strawberry lime. Oh, I love that granita. granita. That one is so delicious. What and I'm that? just turning to kind of all of my recipes here in one place. So um, you could totally run the gamut if you wanted to do an appetizer and then you wanted to do, you know, an entree and a dessert. But mm-hmm. I'm looking at the appetizers and some things that could be fun uh, that are really easy to make, actually. Uh, if you like ceviche, that ceviche recipe is so delicious. And, you know, it's just it's so easy to make because you just need a really good piece of fish and cut it up and add your favorite ingredients with some citrus juice, and there you have it. So the one I have puts mango in it, a little red onion. Um, you could put pineapple in it. Oh, you could use tuna, any of those things. And I love your alternatives to snacks. You have cinnamon spice apple chips, kale chips, plantain chips. Sweet and spicy pepitas, and then those curry spice nut mix that you're talking about. I actually made that on Friday here at work and then took the rest of it home over the weekend, and we just all snacked on it all weekend. So I love that one, too. So there's something for everybody in the snacks and appetizers section. You know, also, go ahead. Pardon me. Go ahead. I was going to say it's really great because I do – I've been in Williams-Sonoma, but I, you know a lot of it was gluten, and so it's nice to be able to open it up to so many other people that have food sensitivities. Absolutely. And I think the joke is here in my day job at Williams-Sonoma, now I'm the voice of gluten-free, you know, because we developed Mm -hmm. so many incredible food products and we've really gotten into the uh, gluten-free space. And so for most people, they're like, is this good? Is it not good? And I love being that person that can say, this is so delicious. I wouldn't know the difference and we should definitely make this, you know, so it's it's worked out well to kind of be that person here. No, and what's good too is if you think along the lines of not buying something processed but making it homemade from scratch, I always say real foods, real fruits and vegetables. Yep. You know, that's what it's all about. It's the best advice you can give someone when they say, how do I turn my health around? And I just say, eat real food. If you're just cooking with real ingredients that come from the ground, you'll be in amazing shape, you know? Right. So what else can we touch on here? Because there's so much in this book. Yeah, well, I'm looking. I'm like, well, if you really wanted to finish out a Valentine's Day menu, I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself, what would I make or what will I make on Valentine's? So if I started with that ceviche, I might actually go to something. You know, people ask me a lot about having red meat in your diet. And so a really fun part of this book, too, is to educate people around what kind of meat to eat and the health benefits of, say, grass-fed beef versus not grass-fed beef. And so for Valentine's Day, I'd probably splurge and do something like this grilled ribeye that I have with a succotash or um, maybe the lamb burgers. Those are turning into a big hit in the book. And then, you know, going into desserts, I would do probably chocolate because I'm such a chocolate fan. (laughs) I like you so much already. (laughs) We need to get together and cook. I would love that. I would love that. Be Um, fun. I love this that uh, my daughter found the breakfast. How did you come up with this? Bim bim bap. Bim bap. Bim bap. You can say. So how I came up with the breakfast version is that a friend of mine here at work named Sandra, who's an amazing cook, made me the traditional version of bibimbap one day for lunch. We all had it. And I thought, how have I never had this dish? And there's usually just all of these beautiful sautéed things on it, little beef and egg, lots of veggies with a spicy sauce and rice. And it was just, to me, the perfect meal. But what I realized I've been doing most of my life, is I, or most of my time here, is I walk into work and I'm always hungry, and so I go straight to our test kitchen and start making myself a second breakfast. Oh. And I was always doing the same thing. I was just pulling out whatever veggies I could find in the fridge, and I usually have, like, some cooked rice or some cooked quinoa around, and I would just saute it in some sesame oil or a little olive oil, and then I'm obsessed with eggs for breakfast. So I would mm-hmm. poach an egg or fry an egg, and I realized one morning that my little ritual was just a 
quick riff on bibimbap. So it's a fun name, and it's especially catchy when you have it for breakfast. Breakfast bibimbap. <laughs> it's a classic Korean dish, correct? Yeah, so good. And uh, I just wanted to find a way to kind of cheat it because I think breakfast is our biggest opportunity for changing the way we eat and improving the way we eat. Right. So for me, it's really important to get some things that are going to get me through the morning yes. into my diet, and this was a great way to do that. What's nice, I'm a vegetarian. so it's Oh, nice, you are? Yes. Great. A lot of um, your recipes, you can either take out the meat or you can yeah. just, there's a lot of meat-free recipes here. A, a ton, and I'm looking. I, there's one chapter that focuses on animal proteins, and the rest mm-hmm. is all vegetarian um, and vegan in a lot of places. And so that was one of the biggest opportunities for me. I was just eating too much red meat, period. And yeah. so I needed to find a way to rein it in. And when I do eat a lot of animal protein, it's, I go towards fish and chicken now way more than I go towards pork, lamb, and beef. That's good. Yeah. You know what? I see the recipe for Marcona almond stuffed dates, which sounds yummy, but it's so hard to find Marcona almonds. So you know what's funny is I don't know in your neck of the woods, but two places you can always find them are Whole Foods Market and Trader Joe's. And oh. so they both sell them in mass right now, and they're I just love them. I love the texture of them. I love everything about them, and they are, they're so good inside a date. I had them for the first time at True Foods, and I loved oh, you them did in a salad. Oh my gosh, did you love that place? I, I love True Foods. Yes, I did. Yeah. love it. my kids love it too. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, we always say let's sit at the bar and have drinks. You know, right. just, just their juice drinks. People, calm down. <laughs> well, and I think that um, those restaurants are a great um, example that healthy food can taste incredible. You know, you go there and you lack for nothing. I think the food is so delicious. So let me ask you something. Um, first of all, is this your whole, you know, background into, um, did you always want to do this or did this just come about? In terms of writing cookbooks writing or cooking cookbooks? for a living? Yeah, cooking for a living. Yeah, you know, I think it was always in the back of my mind. And I went to college like most kids do because you're, you think that's the right thing to do. But I always knew I would find my way towards cooking. So mm-hmm. it worked out really well for me in that I took a job with William Sonoma out of college. But, you know, oh, seven wow. years after being here, I was like, wait a minute, I'm still not cooking. I'm not attached to food the way I want to be. And so right. I actually left to go to culinary school finally and uh, took the plunge. And it's amazing how things come full circle that I get to work on cookbooks and do all these fun things, but yet I found my way back to this company that I love, and I get to be connected to food every day here now. I do have to say, when I go into the stores and they're making something and you can actually see how things come together, it's exciting. Yeah, I know. It's so much fun, and I think that our customers over the years have come to expect that interaction with us, and that that's the retail experience that's um, kind of sets us apart. You know, we're always making something. We're always offering you something to taste or smell or drink, and it's a really fun way to get to know the kitchen. And l- touching on the theme of the show, which is get the funk out, I mean, yeah. obviously you were in a personal funk because you didn't feel well. Right. Could you give advice for people that are perhaps, you know, they don't they struggle with giving up certain food items, but they know they should? You know, it's such a hard one because I think I was that person for so long mm-hmm. that I wouldn't give it up. But it took me trying and realizing how much better I would feel to make the change. So I'm a huge fan of people starting with small changes to see what can happen. And so I always say when people are like, well, how did you quit gluten? It wasn't really quitting it or just like waking up today and saying, I'm going to quit. I just said, okay, let me just try this for a couple of days and see what happens. And then the effects were so positive that it made it really easy. And so I'm not a fan of telling people, why don't you just quit everything and see how you feel? I think it's a really personal choice to try to change your diet. And I just always recommend small steps. 
Yes. So for, you know, it went gluten and then it went dairy for me, but I didn't put the gluten back in when I pulled the dairy out. You know, I just always tried to kind of keep pulling to see what would happen, and it was amazing. So um, I got my own buy-in by doing that. <laughs> you know what? You touch on food coloring, which is really interesting because I am so careful. I read every label. Yeah. And it's so when I read about, like, ADHD and they talk yeah. about no food dyes and no right. food coloring, then you think something's wrong with your kid after they've consumed something with dyes and they're all over the place, so you medicate them. I mean, that's yep. my mindset is, wait a minute, look at what's going inside their bodies. They actually have alternatives, as you know, I'm sure, to food dyes. And um, my daughter was even saying, let's use red beets. And Yeah, isn't it incredible? Red beet, um, now I know at Whole Foods where I go a lot to um, you know, buy my basic groceries, they've got all of these food colorings that are natural, and the beet one works really well for reds. What do you do for other colors, by the way? We're always looking for new ideas. I'm always messing around, and I laugh because things <laughs> can look really funny when I do them. I'm like, I can make food taste really good, but it might not always be beautiful. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I think the beet one is the best that's on the market, and they have a couple other colors. I think in the pack I buy there, there's a green as well, which is fine. Um, but then the other thing I'll look to do is I'll do a lot of things with um, like if I'm making a dessert or a frosting, I'll keep it white or I'll keep it chocolate, and then I'll just decorate with things that you can get all natural, you know, to add little accents to things. Right. So, um, you know, those food colors that we're used to seeing, it's pretty hard to replicate those without chemicals. And so yes. I just don't even try to replicate it. <laughs> I no, just try true. to do something that's kind of fun and yeah. different. I mean, and also if you're trying to, my daughter was trying to make like a green smoothie, and, and we're like, don't, you know, don't, focus on the color. It might not look so attractive. It might taste right. great, you know. Yeah. Be brave. <laughs> it's it's hard and it's funny cuz we eat with our eyes, right? So yes. on the green things, it's really hard when they turn a little a little muddy, but I try in my recipes too, like for things like that where I've convinced my um, children's friends to eat smoothies and things like that too keep enough ingredients in where it keeps the color good and then you get right. their buy-in on it and they realize it tastes good and they, they're more willing to try something else. I have to share uh, a story with you. I almost forgot. We, my kids love pesto and a long time ago, I, well, well, I was thinking, how can I make it more nutritious? So I steamed broccoli and then I steamed spinach and I roasted garlic and I put it in a blender and we put a little olive oil and basil and I made what's called green sauce. So we put oh, wow. potatoes, we, we served it over pasta and they had their friends over and the kids were all looking at it like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> and, but it was so good and they loved it and they put Parmesan cheese on it. And um, wow. it was loaded with antioxidants. Right, and I, I should try that one. That's such a great call-out. I think any time you can pump things up like that, it's so great. Okay. And it's amazing how with children, like if one tries it and then everybody will try it, it's amazing how that peer pressure thing still works. I, but, know. I know. Or you, if that's all you have to eat, guess what? They'll try it. It's exactly. amazing. Exactly. So where can people find out more information about you? So they can find out more information about my books in the typical places where books are sold. I've got an author page on Amazon and mm -hmm. Target and Barnes and & Noble and, of course, here at Williams-Sonoma. And then there's a lot of information online at williamsonoma.com, especially on our blog about um, my, my diet and my eating habits. Okay. <laughs> and then I also still keep up a website called One Family, One Meal, which is really about feeding your family the same foods or your children's the same foods that we like to eat. So oh, in all good. of those places. All right, great. Amanda, I want to thank you so much for calling in. It was such a pleasure to be on your show today. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. And you're based in San Fran? 
I am. All right. Well, if I get up there, I'm going to come say hi. And I'm coming to you in a month. I'm not kidding. Oh, you I'll have are? to find you. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You're coming <laughs> to the Health Expo by chance? I, I'm not, but I'm coming down to L.A. for the International Association of Culinary Professionals, and I'm oh. paying you a visit in Orange County. So. Oh, I would love that. Okay, good. All right. I will talk to you soon, and I hope to see you. Thank you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. That was Amanda Haas calling in. She's culinary director for Williams-Sonoma, and she's based out of San Fran. It just gives you some ideas for going outside the box, you know, your mindset for what to eat and how to eat healthy and maybe eliminating things, some great ideas. If you missed any part of today's show, it will be up on my blog in in about an hour, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. So that's a wrap for me, and uh, let's see. We have a few more minutes, so let's play another track off uh, Debbie Davies. Uh, We'll listen to track one. This is Picture This. If you want to find out about being a guest on my show, all you have to do is send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. Again, up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody.